Do you want an insight into the minds of the industry professionals? Then there's only one place to be. One place to be. The Ins and Out Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. You spent time with your family and friends. You give people nice gifts. You receive nice gifts. You ate lots of food and got absolutely shit-faced. I know. I did all of those things. So I hope you did, too. As I promised, we would start off the new year with an absolute bang. But before we get into that, please do me a favor. Go on to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a review. And if you're not subscribed, please subscribe and share with your friends. We want to make this platform in 2019 the biggest and best it can be. This podcast is going to go off. And I am starting the new year with a bang. On the podcast today, I have the one and only Todrick Hall. You might know Todrick from his YouTube channel. You know, he goes and makes these amazing YouTube videos, which the production looks like it's a Disney film. You might know him from American Idol. You might know him from just listening to his music on iTunes. Or you may have seen him in the musical Chicago in the West End or Broadway. He is a man of many talents. I knew Todrick when I lived in L.A. And I was so lucky to catch him and get him on the podcast whilst he was here in London. We recorded in his dressing room. Um... Also, he recorded some of the podcast on his vlog, which will be on his YouTube channel. So make sure you go and check that out. Please go and check him out if you don't know who he is. He is an absolute genius. I'm so fortunate to have him on the show. So here is the one and only Todrick Hall. And we're in, motherfucker. What's up? What's up? I'm so happy you can come on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. How's your time in London? I love it here. You know, um, when I first... When I when I was a lot younger, I was dating the first like serious boyfriend that I had was British, and it was always um, a dream of mine to come here. But I grew up in such a podunk area, and my family was so poor that the idea of ever getting a passport and flying or going overseas just seemed like an impossible feat to me. And um, it it was um, like such a surreal thing when I got to come here for the first time because it meant so much to me because he was from here and it was always a place I wanted to go but I just never thought that I could I used to be a very basic bitch now I get frustrated <laughs> when people are like I can't go to England I can't afford it I'm like well you can't afford it if you try and if you put it, if you really want to come you could find a way to come but that used to be my mentality and now I've just changed so much so the fact that I've gotten to live here for a few months and got gotten to like really soak up the culture and uh-huh. wear like Layers has been just Where really layers. fun. <laughs> Get it? Not just a t-shirt and yes. shorts in LA. Yeah, in exactly. Um, is this your first time doing a show in London? Well, I've done my concerts here. I've mm-hmm. done about four concerts here um, in London, but this is my first time being hired as an employee to be able to get, you know, like a visa to work mm-hmm. here legally. Yeah. So you really get to soak it up because obviously I guess when you come here on just for your tour, you're only here for like a day or two. Yeah. So this is your first. You've been here for three months? Uh, like two and a half. Two yeah. and a half. Dope cold I don't think it's cold in fact the past couple of years I've been on Broadway for Christmas and the holiday season and it's freezing so I brought all these coats that are really cute by the way that it would just be insane for me to wear them but in <laughs> New York I had an excuse to wear them so um, I don't think that I'm gonna get to wear them this week but luckily I'm going to New York next week and hey. hopefully it'll be slightly colder I love wintertime I love layers and I I wear so many layers when I'm in LA uh-huh. but I just choose to sweat for fashion you know <laughs> sacrifice yeah exactly. um, what are you going to New York for um, I'm going there because I'm starting a new company um, and I'm really, really excited about it. So I'm going to record a bunch of my favorite Broadway stars singing these songs that I created and wrote. Um, and I'm going to go see all the Broadway shows I haven't seen because Cher is out now. The mm-hmm. Prom is out. Clueless is out. Um, I never made it through the entire show of King Kong because I was like not feeling well that day. I had to leave it intermission and now my friend is in it. Nick Burroughs, who sang Ordinary Day on my album Forbidden. Uh-huh. So I want to go see him in the show. And I just, I just want to go like soak up the city i just love new york so much so i want to go see my friends and yeah. bring in the new year with a bang i also love the ace hotel so i always look for a reason to go to new york just because uh-huh. that's like my second home get it shout out ace hotel hey ace hotel hey, yeah free room <laughs> <laughs> um dope so i want to talk about you and how you became todrick hall when i first met you i'd never heard who you were and i got a message on instagram like hey are you from london and i was like uh-huh you like, you live in L.A.? Uh-huh. Come and meet me. And I was like, this is strange. But I just moved to L.A. I didn't know anyone. And I was like, I'm not in a position to pick or choose who I'm going to be friends with. So I came and met you with no idea about who you are. And you kind of 
blew my mind with how creative and your vision of what you saw for your future. Have you always been that way? Have you always seen like that you can reach such higher limits than expect expected? Um, I think so. I think that as a child, I always like when I was eight years old, I picked up the phone and I called uh, the, the dance studio in town and I registered myself for classes. And then I gave my mom the information. These are the shoes that I'm going to need. These are the times that I need to be there. And um, this is the address. This is how much you have to pay for me to do this every month. Mm -hmm. And um, I've just always been that person that's a go getter, even though that totally contradicts what I just said earlier about coming to London, because that was just like huge for me. But when uh -huh. it came to my artistic side and to create, things I was always just up to stay all up all night paper macheing things painting creations like every time I got a challenge in school that we got to make something or a school project mine would be the one that would like spin around and have lights coming out <laughs> of it and stuff and I would always do it by myself and they would think my parents helped me and I'd be mm -hmm. like little do you know if my parents helped me I would have the worst project in class um, <laughs> because my mom is not creative at all but my mom definitely is a huge part of the reason why I was able to exercise the muscle that is your brain. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's a God-given gift to be um, creative, but I do think that if you don't exercise it, just mm -hmm. like anything else, it doesn't work. And yeah. so... I think uh, I think the the God and universe for my mom because she was the person that really like allowed me to be um, to be so creative. She never was like you have to clean up this and you have to do you know wash this and you need to lay all of these things out. She just let mm -hmm. me go crazy in our garage and there's probably still paint marks all over the garage that I grew up in because I was always creating things and I cut my mom's hair off once because <laughs> I wanted her to look like Dorothy and I tried to braid her hair and all the hairs that were coming out I cut them off and um and I just was always creating sock puppets and like you know like I would take the pinatas from yeah. the local grocery store and cut the heads off and put them on my head as like a mascot costume and <laughs> I was just always on 10 um so yeah I do think that I was always that person that was uh shooting for the stars and I also have to give a huge shout out to my haters like I never knew that I could write music and I was putting on a production of the Wizard of Oz, the original 1939 Judy Garland version when I was in high school. And my high school drama teachers were like, I think slightly jealous that the kids in the high school were like, we'd rather audition for Todrick's show than the other show. Uh -huh. And, um, um, so they called the people who owned the rights to the Wizard of Oz and told them that I was trying to illegally produce the oh show. <laughs> and I was like so heartbroken. I remember being devastated. Like my entire world was over because we already had costumes. We already had built all these sets and, and the whole thing was cast. And I felt like I was letting everyone down. But then I went and started doing research on the internet, which was very new at that point. Mm -hmm. And, I was like, I found out that the story of the Wizard of Oz was in public domain, and if I, it was a loophole, and if I wrote my own version of the story and wrote my own songs based on the Wizard of Oz, the classic, the book by uh -huh. Frank Baum, that I would be able to find a loophole and we could still do our show. And it ended up being the best thing. That teacher being a hater on me and trying to prevent me from accomplishing my dreams yeah. is probably the best you know, like villain that I ever had in my life because her doing that made me realize that I could write songs. And I wrote this musical called um, Oz the Musical, which was then called The Magical Land of Oz. And I put it on and it was such a huge success. We had so many like pop culture references. Uh -huh. It was a modern twist on The Wizard of Oz. And now I'm going to be selling those shows this year in a company called Todrick Hall Musicals. So that's, you know, in a full uh -huh. circle story why I'm going to New York to record the music. That's so dope. So how old were you then when you were making these plays high school when i started America? writing musicals i was about 15 years mm -hmm. old yeah and had you had any performance experience before that yeah well i started taking ballet when i was eight so i was in the nutcracker that makes sense for them for A's. yeah <laughs> i was in the nutcracker every single year and um i would do just like the school like talent shows and uh -huh. stuff every now and then but um i didn't really do musical theater per se like i'd done a couple plays and i sang in church every mm -hmm. sunday because my mom made me um but um, and I enjoyed singing in church also. Uh huh. Um, but I never took formal voice lessons and I never took acting lessons. I just started, you know, putting them together. And in high school, my senior year, we got new drama teachers because I was kind of exiled from the drama department and from the choir department. I didn't really fit in with either one of them. But we got a new um, a new drama teacher. Shout out to Tempa Cheryl and. The first day of high school, of senior year, I walk into the school and I see this big yellow flyer that says auditions for Wizard of Oz, the high school musical this year. And I was like, 
My dream oh come God. true. <laughs> if I don't get this, my career is over. Who did you want to play? I wanted to be either the Scarecrow or the Tin Man. I just didn't care. I just wanted to be in the show as one of the characters. I would have taken an ensemble member, but no one loves The Wizard of Oz more than me. I no, have it tattooed I, on my body. I remember body. you getting that tattooed on in like a day. Yeah, I did it very fast. Yeah. Um, but it was just like I had to be in this. This was like if I, this was bigger. This was like Kelly Clarkson is winning American Idol season <laughs> one. If I don't get this. There's no hope for my career. Yeah. And um, I went and auditioned. And not only did I get the role of the Tin Man, but I also got the role of choreographer. So Get it. Double booking. You know, double fee. Go me. <laughs> go me. Well, that makes sense because that's kind of your lifestyle and your role that you live now. You, When I did um, the Kids kids Choice Awards? Yeah. Teens. Oh, my God. We, I forgot you did that. We did that. And you did. You, you choreographed it. You Design wrote, designed it. You did from beginning to end set. every single thing. And I remember thinking, how the fuck is this guy going to make this work? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and I'd known you for like a year then. And like I said, I knew you could do great things. But when you took that project on, I mean, you were in charge of everything. I was like, how is this going to work? Even choreographers don't be able to do a good job of just choreography most of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, or a director fucks up directing and you yeah. took on every single position. And you actually smashed that. What was that experience like? The Kids' Choice Awards was one of the most, when people ask me what is the most nervous you've ever been, I think of that moment because mm. I was, they've never let somebody who is like a YouTuber, which is basically all I was at that point, mm-hmm. open the Kids' Choice Awards. But um, it, it was just like a huge honor to be given that opportunity. And for them to, we were supposed to have two minutes to perform total. That was like the I'm max sure we amount did of like time. Four. We did like four and a half minutes. Yeah. And my strategy was I'm just going to make them forget that they ever gave me a time limit. I'm going to blow this so much out of the water that they have no choice but to extend the time and move everybody else uh-huh. around, you know? And um, it was just a, a huge moment for me to prove myself because I got to arrange all the music and I got to design the set and the costumes. And I did like six costume changes yeah, during that did. time. And some of them were on stage. And it was just like the most ambitious thing that I had ever tried to do. And the fact that it went over pretty much flawlessly with no rehearsal because if you remember they told us we're going to be rehearsing from like 12 to 4 and so uh-huh. I was like okay great but I didn't realize that was the rehearsal for the entire show Yeah. so when they told me we weren't going to get to practice the costume changes again and I hadn't made any of the costume changes in the rehearsal I was like the pressure is just so on like the fact that we have to get on stage and do this in front of millions of people who are going to be watching it I was also so afraid of heights I was just talking yeah, about coming this last on the wrecking night. ball oh my god that wrecking ball like was so crazy to me um, and so it was just like a very, very, I felt super accomplished, not just because I, the performance was great. And I felt like it was one of the best openings that they had ever it had. Was it epic. was epic. It was so epic. And the fact that we, I got to hire 75 dancers and give all of my really good friends who were so talented, uh-huh. great work. It was a great check and a great gig. Um, it was just a really, really cool just mo- I like just to think about it, but that was so scary. I just remember shaking before I went out on stage, just yeah. thinking like there are so many opportunities for this to go wrong. You're not in the clear until the very end. And it felt like the whole thing lasted 25 seconds. Yeah, I remember being in, like we rehearsed in that huge hall and like everyone who was doing a different section was spread out. I remember you running from one group, run, run, drilling their number, running to the next group, going to theirs, going to theirs, going, this doesn't work, we need to change this. It was literally like manic. Yeah, but no, you absolutely nailed that. Thank you. Um, you referenced before that you were basically just a YouTube star. Mm-hmm. Um, when I met you, that that is kind of what you were mainly focusing on at the time was making yeah. these magical and amazing YouTube videos. What gave you the idea to try and create these? Because the first thing you ever did was the drive-through, right? That was the first viral thing I did. I had mm-hmm. a few like little videos before that, but that was the first thing that like put me on the map as yeah. a YouTuber. Yeah. So when you made that, did you do that with any intentions of it? Or were you just like, this is going to be fun? No, yeah, I had no idea. I just was like, oh, people are using this new website called YouTube and putting things on. But the idea of going viral was such like a new thing. It wasn't something people were super familiar with. And it was just something I wanted to do. It's something that I had been doing for years. The things Mm -hmm. that I put on YouTube are things that I had been creating since I was a child in my backyard, like Uh retelling fairy tales and doing a twist on it and stuff. But... It was just something I wanted to do. My friends and I were going to go see Sex in the City 2. I'll never forget it. And we didn't really have time to be doing it. But I was like, I really want to do this. We did it, uploaded it. And when we came out of the theater, it was already going viral. And I I didn't have any followers at all. Like, it was not 
a thing. Mm-hmm. I had been on American Idol even, but no one was following me because we, there was no Instagram. Mm-hmm. Twitter had just started. Um, and I just wasn't really good with social media. And so I started getting all these subscribers and I was like, what's going on? My phone was just blowing up because I was getting thousands and thousands of subscribers. Mm-hmm. And um, I just was very confused, but I was, I had no idea that that video was going to change my life. Yeah. And what, what, what happened from there? Did you just start slowly making smaller, like, well, bigger budget videos? Yeah, I started, then I started doing like the Coca-Cola shake and I did a Domino's commercial with the cast of the Hairspray. And then I, I just started doing more videos like that. And then I graduated to like flash mobs. Mm-hmm. And then, not to throw anybody else under the bus, but the, here come the haters once again. I was in the musical Memphis, which is to me, in, as far as my career goes, the lowest point in my career. I hated being in that musical. I was so depressed. Um, I didn't get along with the cast. And I also felt like just so ostracized and so outcast from the from the cast. Mm-hmm. But also, I had just gotten off of American Idol. So for me to go from being a star on television in my mm-hmm. own right to then being in the ensemble of a musical where I had fans coming to see the show thinking I was going to have a line. And I was in just in the ensemble, which mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem doing, which is why I accepted the job. But I realized that... I think the cast was like, he's going to expect more to life than this. Mm -hmm. And I think that I secretly was not brave enough to chase my dreams of being a Broadway star. I was like, I think it'd be cool to be a lead, but I'm content being, Mm -hmm. you know, in the ensemble. And it was a great workout. It was cardio every day and getting paid to basically work out. But at a certain point, I just became not satisfied with where I was in my career. And people were recognizing me so much from YouTube. And I would have all these people at the stage door to meet me. I bet me. the main cast hated it. They hated it. And mm-hmm. I never did the stage door. I would leave really quickly because I just it would bother me every day that I wasn't where I thought my mm-hmm. fans thought that I should be. That I was mm-hmm. just in the ensemble. Which if you have to say just before something, then that means maybe you're not really that proud of the fact that mm-hmm. you're doing it. you know, And... um that was the thing that inspired me when I started looking at the checks that I was making from YouTube and then the check I was making from doing eight shows a week on Broadway, I said, something's not right here. And, um, I remember so vividly that, that Tyler, um, Tyler Clemente, is that his name? Uh, the, when Tyler Clemente, I think is his last mm-hmm. name, he committed suicide because he'd been bullied and he was a gay kid in college. And the It Gets Better movement started and all of the Broadway shows were making It Gets Better videos. And it was something that I was so passionate about because my fans are oftentimes gay or bisexual or pansexual or, or mm-hmm. transsexual and um, or transgendered. And they, they, are, they were always like reaching out to me being like, I don't know what to do. And it's so crazy how the world has changed so much yeah. in just like Ten the years. past, yeah, the past Less. 10 years because people just didn't feel like it was a safe space. People weren't being championed for being a part of the queer community or they weren't allowing people to have like queer clubs and high Mm -hmm. schools. Um, And I wanted to be a part of the Memphis cast. uh, It gets better video that they did. And they told me that they were full, that the video was full and they didn't have any more space for me in the video, even though I had more followers than the Memphis Memphis. and all the (laughs) cast members combined at this point. And I was like, that just seems like a very vindictive, vengeful like response. Like mm-hmm. we should look past that. This is a bigger issue. So I was so furious that I was like, I'm gonna make my own It Gets Better video. And I wrote that song, It Gets Better, and I called out of a show or two shows to make the video. I put it on and the next day in the cover of Broadwayworld.com and Playbill, like every Broadway musical theater vlog was talking about my video. It started getting so many views, millions of views. I put it on iTunes. It was the first thing I ever put on iTunes. And that song saved so many kids' lives. Mm-hmm. I would, I still get messages to this day with people being like, that song changed my life. It saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because music heightens every emotion. And it was just like such a strange thing that that song saved their lives. But it, it saved my life and changed my life also because I decided after that musical to leave. I mean, I decided after that moment to leave um, – Memphis and to go to LA just on a whim and do it full time. Now I was making good money on YouTube, but yeah. not enough to live off mm-hmm. of. Um, it was just a great side income to what I was making on Broadway. And Broadway is a for certain thing. And for me to leave something to chase something that I didn't know what it was and mm-hmm. no one was really doing that. 
um, it was a very scary thing, but my heart was like beating in my chest to be like, you have to get out of this theater. It's not good for you artistically. You're losing your will and your passion and your drive and the fire that was inside of you to do musical theater. And so even though it was Broadway and Broadway's my dream, I was like, I have to leave this mm-hmm. and maybe life will bring me back to Broadway. Um, and I went to LA and I lived in a shithole apartment that was $800 a month, me and my roaches. And I started mm-hmm. making videos and every single penny I could get my hands on, I ate at McDonald's for an entire year like I didn't Mm -hmm. have money to do anything else and um and I used every single dime that I could get my hands on to make videos and every month I paid my rent because the check came from iTunes for it gets better and it was always enough for an entire year for me to pay my rent so that song just absolutely changed my life I remember being in your apartment and you saying I want to make a video next week I've got no money and we were like huh and you're like let's ask people I remember you going into like your like beyond your bank account to make it work and going, well, hopefully the video goes viral and I'll make enough money to get myself back out of the negative. Yeah. And you did within <laughs> did. a week. I did. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the kind of like faith that you have to have in yourself and in your brand and in your talent, your gift and in the universe that you are in the right place. And if you're so passionate about something, um, it was just one of those things that I had to do. And I started doing the, the flash mobs. I did the target mm. flash mob and I'll never forget looking at my phone and it was going off so much that I couldn't even open the phone (laughs) to be able to see what it was that I, that had happened Mm -hmm. because Beyonce had posted a video saying Todrick Hall thinks Beyonce said my name in a video. And I could not believe that that video had reached like my idol. Like it still gives me chills to like think about it when she posted that video, which she had never done before and has never done since since then. Um, it, w- it just let me know. There were just like little like benchmarks along the way to let me know that you are doing the right thing. You're on the right path. And when I would see fans on the street and they would be so excited to see me and say that I was inspiring them, I was just like, this is crazy. This is a dream mm-hmm. come true. This is never something, like not something I ever thought I would be doing, but it was just so life-changing. And just to reflect on that right now is just like such a crazy thing because it, it just changed my life and then I wrote Beauty and the Beat and I came out with that video which was the most with viral thing that I ever one done. and Without You are my favorite <laughs> Without You with Tori Kelly yeah oh my gosh partly because she's in it yeah of course and she's amazing and, and because beautiful. the original song I love and then I was like oh you just made it cleverer nice. thank you you know <laughs> thank you it's like you pimped it and added a story along thank you I love that I love that you know that video because not a lot of people know that oh it's my favorite jump. I thank show you. everyone people go Wait, Todrick, I know him, right? And I'm like, yeah, watch this video. That's so crazy. I should watch that video again because I haven't, I haven't seen that in yeah. a while. And it's when you do the backflip and I think you're the scarecrow, right? Oh, I don't even remember. Yeah, I haven't you're one seen of that them, video you, in years. You did the backflip on like a slope on the mud and I was like, oh, he's going to die. <laughs> oh, how many takes did that take? Um, and I remember you saying you, uh, you need to borrow a baby for a scene. And you oh, that was it, for Beauty and the Beat? Beauty and the Beat. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I was like, I need a baby for this video because she has to be holding this baby. And I went up to this lady on the street dressed as a crackhead. Might I, add. I had powder all over my face and I was like, can I borrow your baby? And she was like, sure. Are you going to take him with you or are you going to, you want me to come with you? And I was like, are you seriously considering <laughs> giving your baby to a crackhead on the street? And she offered to let me take the child without her coming with me just to bring him back. Um, but it was it was a crazy thing. That was such a weird thing. And once again, haters, the people that were representing me at that time, um, that were my YouTube agents, because I mm-hmm. signed with a YouTube agent, I made that video and they were like, this video is offensive and we don't think we can put this out and it's Disney themed. And at that point, people weren't really doing parodies of Disney uh-huh. stuff. So there was no blueprint of like, will you get in trouble? Will Disney sue you? Yeah. Like, and I was like, the rules of YouTube state that if it's a parody, if you make your own tracks and if you if you perform the song with different lyrics that you can do it there's Uh no rule that says but with the exception of disney we should do it and they would not allow me to post it and so i asked them if i could post it on a different channel that they didn't represent and they i mean i had to fight them and start crying in the meeting to let them let me put this video out and i put this video out and it became the most viral thing that they had ever worked on and i was it was on a channel that didn't have any subscribers the mm-hmm. first time i uploaded it so it really has a lot more views than it seems like yeah. right now because i privated that other video but it was on another youtube channel and um and it got a million views in one day that was the first time that had ever happened to me that's unreal yeah it was crazy what are some of the struggles that you've had along the way of so far in your journey what are some of the hardest moments that people don't see because I think people see the 
the the whole point of this podcast is the ins and outs of an entertainer's life. And I think people only see the glamour. You know, people only see the success stories. Yeah. Um, they don't see what happens behind the scenes. Like they don't see all the hard work that you put into these videos. Like when you're asking people if you could borrow their baby although that didn't seem like much of a struggle <laughs> <laughs> you know they don't see all the effort you put into costumes and that you make in your own things what are some of the struggles that you found i would say that the struggles are not anything that have to do with like making the videos mm -hmm. the struggle is i've always thought like whenever i started chasing this stream and people started using the word fame in association with me and my name it was very weird to me because I don't feel like I'm famous at all. Mm -hmm. And so when I do a show and I see, you know, like something saying like, oh, you did Kinky Boots and the box office numbers shot up. They got a box office spike. Or when I'm in Chicago and it's the best selling week that they've ever had on Broadway in 22 years mm -hmm. and in the Ambassador Theater's entire history of being a Broadway theater house. Um it's very shocking to me. Like, I still don't think I understand the gravity of it or grasp the concept that me being involved in something will make it be more or less successful. I don't I don't understand that concept. Um, but I always was like, no matter what, if I do become quote unquote famous, mm -hmm. I will never change. And the more that I've experienced things in this in this business and being able to work with people like Beyonce and Ariana Grande and Taylor Swift, um, the more I've experienced those things, the more I've realized that it's not the people that change. It's the people around you that change towards you and make you have to change. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're not safe. Being sued by people who are my really close friends, people who have now become enemies that were my friends, and seeing how fame has changed people that I loved and grew up with and thought we would always be close. And now I've seen them become successful. And to see how a little bit of money, a little bit of success, a verified check next to your name can change the way you look at people, the way you mm -hmm. value people, the way you treat them, the way you value, the way you don't value life. Um, it, it, it is very heartbreaking to me because I have a really big heart. And at mm -hmm. the end of the day, I feel like I do things for people that no one would do for their friends, you yeah. know? And I expect high things from my friends. I expect, you know, quality. Like, I expect people to be there for me if I'm there for them. I expect for people to be honest and loyal to me. And, you know, I've had people who are close friends of mine, like, sleep with guys that I've dated. People who were my best friends. Like, mm -hmm. I will go to them and talk to them about somebody I'm talking to and be really excited. And they will go and sleep with them afterwards. And that's a huge deal breaker for me if I'm not friends mm -hmm. with somebody it probably has something to do with the boy and I don't mean that in like a weird messy like mm -hmm. you know Monica Brandy type <laughs> of the boy is mine situation but like I think if you're my best friend in the entire world and I come to you and tell you about guys that I've dated then that person is off limits and I don't think I'm ever going to change that viewpoint I think that's a very important value like mm -hmm. I don't want to live in this incestuous gay world where everybody is like okay with talking about guys that we've equally slept with together that's not amusing to me it's not cute and i just think that life there's so many fish in the sea there are billions of penises in the world and if i'm and I'm not, I'm not a person that's super promiscuous i haven't had sex with a lot of people i didn't lose my virginity until i was 25 i can still count Jeez. both my hands how many sexual partners i've had it's not without even using all my fingers mm -hmm. it's not um it's not to me something that's important. And the fact that people are willing to risk a friendship to sleep with somebody that you're with, if it breaks your heart or if it's mm. something that affects you, um, it, it's a really heartbreaking thing. And I've just definitely gotten to a point where sometimes I'm scared to meet people and I'm a people person. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, if I didn't know you before this happened, then I don't want to know you, you know? Yeah. And having to be able to like let go of people or recognize when you meet someone and meet their eye gaze and you shake their hand and being like, does this person want something from me? Are they really here to like be my friend or are they here to take advantage of me? Mm. That's like the hardest part of this, not making the videos. The hardest part is like, I'm a hopeless romantic. I want to find my Prince Charming someday. And the idea that like you could be laying in bed with somebody who wouldn't be with you if you weren't you, you or what they think that you are, what the world sees you as mm -hmm. is just like such a scary thing to me and something I never want to experience. But it gets very scary because it, 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 as each year goes by, you realize that you've become more and more successful, more known. You've gotten more exposure and should I stop talking for a second? Oh. And um, and that people, you, you can trust them less and less and less. Yeah. 
And that, no. that's it's, that, that's the most heartbreaking thing about this industry. And now I understand why people are so guarded and so standoffish and so not willing to open up to you. Because when you open up to someone and you tell them your deep, deepest, darkest secrets, they have all of the ammunition that they could have ever needed to take you down and to ruin you and your reputation and what you've worked so hard to build. Yeah, and I guess that's even more difficult because your part of your business of Todrick is... You do these vlogs, you let people into your life, you let people see your life. So when people see the ups, then they're most likely going to see the downs too. Or you've got to not let people ruin that experience for other people mm -hmm. just from your personal life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every time something horrible happens, I have a moment where I'm say, where I say you should lock yourself in a tower and don't let anybody up into, mm -hmm. into your kingdom, you know? Yeah. Um, but then it's like, what is, is life worth living if you have to live like Hidden. In, a, in a tower hoping that someone's going to climb up your hair if they really want to see you like mm. they're going to work that hard to do it no you have to like go out and you have to have experiences and you have to just learn how to trust people again mm -hmm. and that's a very very difficult thing to do trust is, is such a weird thing because so many people and i feel like as life goes on people become less and less um concerned with morals and ethics and like is mm -hmm. this why would you sue someone for something that you know is not wrong and that you mm -hmm. know that you don't deserve just so that you can get money? Is that worth it? When you on the when you're on your last day of life, when you're taking your last breath, are you gonna be proud of the fact that that's the person that you were, that mm -hmm. you took advantage of someone? I hate that Americans are so sue happy and that so sue happy. You can't, you know, like it's like people look at a situation that could have been a life threatening situation. They don't look at it as like, wow, this car accident could have killed my could have taken my life mm -hmm. i should now live life to the fullest they look at it as this car accident could have ruined my life and for that i'm gonna sue them for everything that yep. they're worth and pretend that i'm more hurt than i am and that i have you know taken on more damages uh -huh. than i it's actually funny have. you say that i had a car accident when i lived in la and uh i went to a car dealer to buy a new car um and they were like oh they ripped your car off and i was like uh-huh and they're like what do you do for a living i was like oh i'm here on oh one i'm a dancer and they were like did you sue them and i was like no, I was fine. Just the car was damaged. I was okay. They gave me money for a new car, you know, because it was written off. And the guy was like, you British people are so dumb. You could have made hundreds of thousands. And I was like, but I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, but I that's the thing. Yeah. It's not dumb. It's the wrong thing to do to try yeah. to chase someone and bring them down and ruin their life because people's life is already hard enough. You yeah, know? for sure. Why would you go and try to make someone's life more complicated? It just, it blows my mind how money hungry people are. And at the end of the day, they're chasing after like small temporary things. They're willing to sacrifice their moral and ethic fiber and whatever to, to for, and for something that's not going to last very long. Yeah. $50,000 is not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. No, if not in the gave, scheme of life. No. And when someone gives it to you, you're going to go through it in two seconds, but you're going to be a horrible person mm. if you didn't deserve it. And um, that's it. I just, I hate it so much, but it's just part of life. And you have to be so cautious of everything that you do, everything that comes mm -hmm. out of your mouth, every word you say. And that's the reason why I oftentimes say no to podcasts. If it's RuPaul, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing this with you because I know you, I love mm -hmm. you, and I trust you. But sometimes I would just say no to a podcast. It's easier. Because it's easier. There's no mm -hmm. way that I can get on here and get on a microphone and you can try to like tear me down or ask me questions that are going to ruin my character. And that's what a lot of people are down to do. And so yeah. many people watch those evil vlogs and horrible channels where people try to tear other people down on youtube for a living mm -hmm. it's just it's mind-boggling to me i had a situation last year where i had to make a video defending my blackness to somebody who <laughs> who was like coming for me because they didn't feel like i was black enough and that i was proud of being african-american if it as if that's even a thing can you turn that dial until it goes down Sound check for the band. Yeah, you're getting the real backstage experience. Yeah. People weren't ready for this. For anyone listening, just so you know, we're backstage at the Todrick's Press in Chicago, Chicago in the West End. This is my last week. It's your last week. No, um, no, I completely agree with you. People, uh, as if that's even a thing, though, to defend your actual blackness. Yeah, it was a thing that I had to do <laughs> this year, and it's been a, a constant struggle with me because I didn't grow up in a very, like, african-american neighborhood i grew mm -hmm. up taking dance classes and doing theater and you know like the school that i went to i was one of the only black kids at that school and so it was it, it's been a very difficult journey for me and i've had to do a lot of like self-reflecting and like you know asking myself questions about this why am i attracted to white men often mm. that's a real thing um and and 
why do I like listening to this type of music? Why do I dress this way? Why do I speak this way? Those, there are things that are questions that I've had to ask myself as an adult that I didn't ask myself as a child because they were just normal to me. It was mm. normal for me to talk this way. But sometimes people feel like, oh, he's bougie. He thinks that he's above his own you know, community because he's speaking this way and because he dates white people and because he associates with so many white people. And I think people see things the way they want to see it. I mm-hmm. had somebody ask me, like, why on this album have you decided to work with so many black people? Is it because you had so much criticism about not being aware and, and being a part of the, um, the, your own community? And I was like, and then I, I thought about it. Why am I doing this? And I said, Todrick, on your last album, you had Wayne Brady, you mm-hmm. had Tracy Toms, you had Tamar Braxton, you had Amber Riley, you had RuPaul, you had mm-hmm. Bob the Drag Queen, you had Jordan Sparks. I had so many African-American people collaborating with me on that album that I was like, something about me is presenting to a group of people and to the audience that I only want to associate with white people, even though they're watching this album that has all of these African-American people and just people of color. Nicole Scherzinger mm-hmm. was in it. There's uh, Shoshana Bean, you know, like there, who is, I mean, she's, she's, she's white, white, but, but, yeah. but um, it, it, it was just like, I have a lot of like different ethnicities and, and I represent like a rainbow of yeah. people. And I, I love that about my fan base. I love that a huge comment that I get when people come to my show is that this is the most diverse audience I've ever seen. Yeah. There are... There's gay people, straight people, trans, uh, like there, there are drag queens, there are people who are just androgynous men. There are like senior citizens coming to see the show for their 80th birthday. That's all they want to do is come and see this show and they dress up in a costume. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a loving environment where people come and they can be anything they want to be. And I love that. When I mm-hmm. see people dressed up at my shows, it's my favorite thing in the entire world because I think that's like, what is life if you can't dress up and go out and go to an event and be yourself? You're just expressing yourself. Yeah. It's just another way of expressing. It worries me that uh, society, that society's brain works that way. That they can go, you don't, you don't, uh, I guess, see yourself with black people. You know, you, you're attracted to white people. Why is that even a thought in people's heads? Obviously, they've got something going on deep in their conscious or in their mind or in their life that even addresses that. Yeah. Because I feel like, or maybe it's a an entertainer's thing as like a performer. You know, I've been surrounded by every race, mm-hmm. every, if you're straight, gay, whatever, and you just see people as people. You don't really look at what their ethnicity is or what their, you know, what their preference, sexual preferences are. Yeah. It's kind of blind to me, you know? I don't see color. I don't see preference. I just see people. Yeah. Do you think that it's people who aren't, who have a, in quotations, normal lifestyle or live a normal nine to five that see it like that? I think that oftentimes it comes from a place of people being hurt. Usually mm. when I get those type of criticisms for people, I have to stop and pause and look at the person and look at the type of tweets they post and the type of conversations that they have often and the type of people that they follow on social media. And then you see that this person is talking out of a place of insecurity. When this happened and this person said all these things about me, I went and immediately, I wasn't even offended by mm. the comments. He thought that I was like really upset and I was mad and I wasn't. I just felt like... I was so tired of getting critiques where every single day people were like, Todrick gets on my nerves with these contacts that he's wearing. And to me, if you're a black person who says that I don't think that black people are beautiful, but you assume that because I have green or brown eyes that I'm wearing contacts, then maybe you're the person that doesn't think that black people are beautiful. Maybe you're the person that doesn't think that Mm -hmm. you're beautiful yourself. Maybe you're um, the person who is not happy with where your career has gone. And, And I looked back and people started sending me tweets that this person had sent me years ago you know saying great work on this like Todrick killed this or whatever and it became very clear to me that this was coming from a place of jealousy mm-hmm. and I and I like this person's videos and I think that he's very funny and and so I wish that we could have just had an adult conversation and been cool because I think if he actually met me it would be a much different conversation I think when you meet someone in person yeah. it's it just changes things and before that you just think that there's somebody who's not going to see your comment and that you forget that they're also a human mm-hmm. and um and so recently this person posted a video about um, coming out as, and saying that they're living with HIV. And I thought it was such a brave move for them and something that I was like, that's the type of content you should be putting out because that is going to change people's lives for the mm-hmm. better. It's not going to be having them being like, oh, he spilt this tea. He drugged this person. He's snatching wigs. It's you're, you're doing things that are allowing yeah. people to be motivated and using your platform for good. Mm-hmm. And so I went on there and like genuinely congratulated him because I thought that it was such a brave move 
move and it's such a scary thing to so many people. Um, and to me, I've dated people who are HIV positive and I think that it's important for people to bring awareness to the fact that it's not a death sentence the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, like, and bring awareness to people about how to change it. And I use my platform to talk about that all the time, that yeah. it's so important for people to get on Truvada or some type of preventative. Mm-hmm. It's so important for them to con- consistently be tested and important for them to use protection. And if not, definitely taking some type of prep is so important because then that can prevent you from um, getting the virus if mm. you come in contact with it. Yeah. So th- those are now I'm at a point in my career where I try to use my platform to entertain people and to mm-hmm. make them laugh, but also to educate my audience. Yeah, well. I put on uh, Instagram earlier, I put a tweet up saying, uh, in post up saying, don't like, don't aim for success. Aim to add value to people. I'm following you adding value. Naturally, success will come. You know, yeah. as opposed to just going putting a rant out for no reason well who's benefiting from that you know try and make it something that someone's going to learn from if you're going to have a rant about something or you're going to criticize someone what's what's the effect of it is it going to roll on and be positive or just be dead or be negative if it's either of those two don't bother putting it out well, I you know wish we would have had this blog, this this <laughs> podcast a few months ago because I had a breakdown yeah. on the internet <laughs> over a boy, um, which I'm kind of glad that that happened because it let me really see where other people see me in the world. People were like, you're too good for this, where there is other brands and other people who people would like, like this is part of their brand. This is what they do. This mm-hmm. is not shocking behavior for them. But the fact that I have so many children that look up to me that I yeah. had to look up to in this moment of weakness to say, thank you so much. They were like, Todrick, you don't need to do this you're better than this and they're 10 years old and I was just like thank you so much I'm so (laughs) glad that I have fans like that I apologize for going on that rant Um, but it it really in some ways like inspired me to realize that I was inspiring these kids to be good people and that they weren't supporting me in this horrible behavior some people were but um, a lot of kids were you know like reaching out to me being like you've taught us not to do this and now we're gonna help you come out of this dark place and, and they stood beside me it's great for them to see you probably in a vulnerable place because then they can relate to you yeah then they don't see you as untouchable you know you probably motivate them to go oh todrick can feel sad as well as happy and i can feel the same you know like mental health now is a huge thing in the world yes, like it is. i lost my brother four years ago to suicide mental health and i did not it know was, that yeah it was a massive wake-up call to me you know it was a reality check where it's like i was always work driven work driven work driven and i wasn't i was a very family guy but work was always the priority. And for me, that was the biggest wake up call. I was like, oh shit, like there's real life except for dancing behind an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not really having an impact on people's lives. So I moved home, got okay with myself and with my family and stuff. And then that was the whole point in the podcast. I was like, I want to help people. I want to use my experience and my platform and my contacts to help people, whether it's with mental health, whether it's just uh, how to reach their career goals if they don't if they can relate to you on hearing your struggles in our conversation to make their journey to their career you know easier to hear them say oh you had a breakdown too oh todrick has breakdowns so do i like i can relate to that as opposed to just going everything's amazing in his life like i said they only ever see the the performance you know what i mean they don't get to see what's behind the person who is successful yeah and that's what creates a success yeah you know so it's good for people to see an insight to that. So maybe you showing your vulnerability to your audience and your fans actually gives them hope as opposed to make them feel useless, you know? Yeah. Um, and I did have some people say say things like that. First of all, I think that's really awesome that that happened to you. I was just talking about that last night. I think part of the reason, part of the motivating factor for me to work so hard and chase my dreams so hard and relentlessly and unapologetically mm-hmm. is the fact that I've had so many close friends die very young, tragic deaths. Mm-hmm. And anytime that happens to you and you're really affected by it, and it's not just a story that you scroll past on Facebook or see mm-hmm. on the news and change the channel, when it's your life and you have to like deal with the the um the the the, the impact the of it. impact mm-hmm. of it the what what I could have done differently what I what I should have said mm-hmm. what I how I should have been there for that person um how I wish that I would have been closer to them and spent more time with them how I wish how I hope that I am able to do that now for my friends who are still living and mm-hmm. how I hope that I'm able to like inspire other people and um and how I hope that I'm able to live every day like tomorrow could be my last or later today could be mm-hmm. my last because you just never know um I think that that has been the thing that's inspired me to like definitely like not be like okay that's a 2020 type of thing like mm-hmm. no let's do it now because 2020 might not come for yeah. us you know and um I think that that is like 
above and beyond anything about what w- it was just in my DNA to be the person that I am. Mm-hmm. I think those experiences have definitely made me change my life and um and and change the things that are important to me and really like understand the value of like is this thing important? Is this important enough to like use my entire day being upset about this? Mm-hmm. Probably not. I should talk about it for a moment get it off my chest, which I usually do when there's a problem. I'm like, I need to talk about this. And then I talk about it and, and then I move the fuck on with yeah, life, you know? Gone. And being close to RuPaul has definitely helped me like look at life in a much more, um, beautiful, like, uh, technicolor lens and uh-huh. be able to like see things and say like, this isn't important or this is important or this could be important or this may not be important tomorrow. Like I'm so glad that I'm able to do that now because before I wasn't able to, uh-huh. you know? And you care a lot about your audience and your fans. Like mm-hmm. we spoke earlier and you're like, I'm not very well. I should probably shouldn't do the show. And then you're like, but I can't bear the thought of an audience coming for, to see me and me not be there. Yeah. You know, you're willing to kind of sacrifice as much as possible to make sure that you're giving inspiration and hope to the people who support you and follow you. Right. Well, I just know that when people come to see me on stage and, and my tour or they buy tickets, like I realize that now I'm in a different place financially than I was years ago. And like now sometimes it's easy for you to be like, oh, it's $200 for a, a ticket, you know, mm-hmm. to see a show. That's no big deal. But to some people, to most people, that's unreal. it is a mm. huge deal. And the fact that someone would take that out of their hard-earned money to buy a ticket to come see me in a show just means the world to me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not there, it just breaks my heart because that's part of live theater. I mean, you do eight shows a week. At mm-hmm. some point, you're bound to not be at one of the shows, especially when it's so vocally demanding. And when I do so many things outside of doing this show... Um, but I just am so grateful that people think enough of me to spend that money to come and watch me do something. And the least I can do is try to push through and be mm-hmm. there for them and give them 100% of what I've got at that moment. Because 100% of what I have today is better than me not being here at all. Yeah. Even if it's at your capacity of 60, yeah. it's better than none. Yeah. 100%. Um, what do you do in your downtime? I don't. I know you don't have much downtime. <laughs> I know it doesn't downtime? happen. I know it doesn't happen often. What are the kind of things you do to like re uh re-energize yourself i um when i was going through this breakdown last year i'm probably going on a tangent but it's when okay. i was going through this breakdown over here uh, i feel like i'm in therapy Kate. everyone says that's <laughs> great right um when i was going through this breakdown there was a moment where i became friends with the guy that the guy i was talking to was talking to behind my back get it and I talked to him, and we be- we had this really close bond, I feel. And I don't know that we're ever going to be best friends, you know, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we de- definitely did experience a horrible chapter of our life together. Mm-hmm. But there was a moment where I started to feel so insecure about the person that I was because this guy was so cool, and he does drugs, and he goes to all of these, like, circuit parties, and mm-hmm. he drinks and you know like i mean he doesn't he's not like a drug addict but he's you know like experienced things i think that sometimes i'm like todrick you've never smoked weed you've never tried any type of drug at all you've Mm -hmm. never not been sober in your entire life i've unless i was at the doctor and they gave me like laughing gas is the closest i've ever been to to not being sober and sometimes i look up and say like todrick you are the age that you are and you haven't experienced like a lot of things and when i'm in groups and social circles people start asking me like well when you did this and when you did this and I have no frame of reference to mm-hmm. even like go by because I've yeah. never been drunk mm-hmm. even once, you know? That's insane. And <laughs> sometimes I just feel like I'm not a very cool person, you know? Like that is like a mm-hmm. hard pill to swallow that you're not actually fu- – like if someone is very experienced in life and has done all those things, I don't think that they would find me a very fun person to hang out with. And I think – online they're like oh he would be so much fun to hang out with but Mm -hmm. then when they realize that i don't drink and that i'm like the least adventurous like food eater in the entire world and (laughs) that i don't i don't like to go to clubs like i don't like it Uh every time i go to a club and i'm like out at the gay club i'm like this isn't me like this is not my life it's not like i i enjoy it sometimes for like 30 minutes and then Mm -hmm. i'm like i'm just not I'm cut from a different cloth. I'm just mm-hmm. not meant to be a partier. I'm not a person that throws parties. And when I throw a party, it's like a Christmas like or a, a Disney oh, princess dress-up party. Wizard of Oz birthday party. Yeah, yeah. I probably invited you to. Yeah. Um, and you probably didn't come because you probably were like at a cooler party. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a job. Okay. Um, but like It wasn't people... cooler, but it paid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but people come to yeah. my parties and they're like, you're literally having a party and there's no alcohol. And I'm like, 
in my mind, I didn't even think about getting alcohol because I was like, why would we need that? We, gotta, you know? we get to dress up. Yeah, we're <laughs> dressing up. Like, why do we need to have alcohol? We have karaoke. We're yeah. playing pin the tail on whatever. <laughs> and like, it's just, I don't know. It's just one of those things. So, like, it's been a very difficult uh, journey for me to realize that, like, I'm such a theater geek that what I like to do in my downtime is go watch musicals mm-hmm. or watch, you know, old school, like, classic musicals, The Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, Meet Me in St. Louis, My Fair Lady, Oklahoma, Annie, all those things like that is the idea of a great time to Mm -hmm. me if you turn on Cinderella with Brandy in it or Sister Act Mm -hmm. 2 I'm just I'm in paradise you know like and that's like what I enjoy doing like I I don't like being outside that much like I don't I'm not one of those people that gets off on like a view like I don't Uh want to hike up a mountain to look at a picture of the the world yeah uh, to look at a view that I could have seen on Instagram like that's just not fun to me like I would do it and if somebody that I was with thought it was fun but in my downtime I love what I do so much that in my downtime like the thing that I enjoy most is sitting down and writing a new song or Mm -hmm. coming up with a concept for a new video because I don't look at it as work and people are like you need to take a break and relax I'm like this is relaxing to me I love writing songs it's so fun it's so Mm -hmm. filling to me and so cool the coolest experience that I have in life is writing a song and creating it that's something that's so personal to me and then going on tour and having an audience of thousands of people sing the lyrics to that song back to me. It just, it's so crazy to me. Do you feel like Beyonce? I I do because it's something that like, you know, I don't know how many of her songs Beyonce writes, so I don't know if it's like her, but I feel like, I feel like Taylor Swift because she writes every lyric to every song that she sings. And they're all so specifically personal to her and her Mm -hmm. life and her experiences that for her to hear an audience of 60,000 people singing those songs back to her must be so insane you know Mm -hmm. and um, I'm with her a lot of times for those experiences and I get to hear the things that she's going through and whenever I hear the lyrics of her next album I say like oh I know exactly what that was like and I was with you that day when that happened or I was on the phone with you or we FaceTimed Mm -hmm. that day and so for now for me to hear that as a lyric it feels like a part of a scrapbook of her life that now the audience is singing and so that's just like a really cool thing to me and that's just what I love and I'm so excited to have new experiences this year and to write new songs Mm -hmm. and to go on another tour and to be able to see my fans there it's just my favorite part of the entire year is going on tour and getting to meet my fans I try to do as many meet and greets as I possibly can because to hug them and to feel their heartbeat and to see the tears in their eyes or see them so excited Mm -hmm. makes everything that I do for the rest of the year so worthwhile that's dope um what what do you see yourself doing in 10 years time? Like what would be the dream in 10 years? If you could see yourself in a position, what would it be? In my personal life, I would like to be married, um, and have a dog that someone else mostly takes care of <laughs> because I love the idea of dogs, but I cannot deal with the poop and I you, cannot deal with the barking. Every time someone comes ones. to the door, I had two dogs. I've had four dogs You've and had I four. had to get rid of all four of them because it was just too much for me. You used to enjoy spraying one pink and one blue though. Yeah. I used to dye them and people would get so upset, but it was just I like a shampoo was that hilarious. was dyed. Like it was not like, I didn't think that it was like, I don't know. I feel like it wasn't hurting him. Yeah. But I would like to see myself married with somebody who I genuinely feel like makes me happy. Somebody that makes me laugh. Somebody that wants to go on all these adventures with me. Um, I would like to become more family oriented. I would love to have a child or a few children because I love kids so much. And I think that I would be a great father because Mm -hmm. I think that I, I wouldn't know how to instill like the right type of values in them. Um, and you'd be fun as fuck. I think so. <laughs> for I a think, kid. For a kid. They I don't need alcohol. I think that I'm going to be the strict person because when someone's working for me, like, I'm really fun to hang out with, like, if you're just, like, hanging out with me during the day, you know, on yeah. a random Tuesday. But when it comes to working for me, I can be very, very, very strict. Um... So there's that. I would like to become more family-oriented because I don't get to see my family very often. I see my mom like one or two days a year, and she Mm -hmm. has to share me with everybody who's at the concert. And Mm. I want to start making time to go and like carve out a week of time to go see my mom. Um, I want to travel more. My One of my lifelong goals is to be on the beach when the turtles, the sea turtles, come out of the sand and Uh swim towards the water. That's just like something that I've always been so fascinated with as a child, watching the Discovery Channel and stuff and reading zoo books which were super popular when i was in elementary school um 
that's like the thing that I, I want to experience that so much. I just love sea turtles. I would love to go swim with sea turtles. And they're like bucket list things that yeah. I want to do in life. I want to um, r- ride in a hot air balloon. Like I want to ride on the back of a camel. And, and um, I want to, you know, like go see the elephants and like animals in Africa. There are like uh, so many parts of the world that I want to see. I want to see like real whales, like, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of the ocean and stuff. Um, but as far as a career goes, I would love to in 10 years be an EGOT winner. I want to win an Emmy, Grammy, an Oscar, mm-hmm. and a Tony. And I don't want to take the shortcut route. No shade to the people who have who have done that. It's not a shortcut. I mean, it's like hard work. Mm-hmm. But I want them all to be for things that I created, like concepts that I came up with and that mm-hmm. I starred in as well. Yeah. Um, so that's like my like long-term goals. I would like to write a musical that's successful on Broadway and star in it. I would love to write an amazing book. I have a concept for a book that I think is so cool cool that I've been working on. I want to create a kid's show because I do think that there are a lot of great shows out there, but um, my little brother and I have had such different life experiences and he struggled with school because watching Barney and those things were not cool to him and kids Mm -hmm. are getting so cool so young these days. So I want to create a show that's for the underdog, for people who are misunderstood, that have gay characters that that Mm -hmm. represent everybody and that teaches people more than just their alphabets and their shapes and um teaches real life that teaches them about morals and ethics and being honest and being loyal and 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 trust and things like that Mm -hmm. that i think you know you can get great grades at school but if you're not a great person who cares it doesn't prepare you for life yeah and i think that sometimes those shows are lacking in those like Mm -hmm. moral lessons that i think that kids need to see more importantly i don't care if my kid knows how to do math or knows how to create you know like Mm. a volcano that erupts in a science class if they know how to treat people and be a good friend yeah yeah yeah, be loyal that's gonna be the most important things that i teach my child and i've made a vow to myself that I'm not going to make my kid like, I don't want, I don't care if my kid is gay or not, but, Mm -hmm. but, um, I don't want my kid to grow up in a world where like, I wrote a song called boys wear pink and it's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written because I hate more than anything when, and I'm not mad at the world for doing it because it's just the Mm -hmm. society that we live in, but I don't like the fact that the like manipulation process of this world mm-hmm. starts the moment you open your eyes. I don't yeah. want my child to open their eyes it's to a room boy, that's it's blue. <laughs> or a blue room. I want them to open their eyes to a purple room that's not, not something that's represented yeah. by anything that means you're one way or the mm-hmm. other. I'm like telling people they are not allowed to bring pink or blue gifts to my like baby yeah. shower <laughs> or to give my child because I just don't want my child to grow up with limitations. They will cut their hair if they want to. Mm-hmm. They will have short hair if they're a boy if they want to and long hair hair if they're a girl if they want to but mm-hmm. I don't want them to feel like they can't if I say what do you want to be for Halloween and they say I want to be Cinderella then they're going to be Cinderella mm-hmm. um, I'm, I wasn't ever a huge Adele fan before but whenever I saw that she said that her child who's a boy wanted to be either Anna or Elsa mm-hmm. um, they wanted to dress up as that to go to Disney World and she um, you know, pushed him all around Disneyland in this Anna or Elsa costume. And I just think that she is just such a great human being. The fact that um, she has gone and volunteered her time, like, you know, when there are like horrible, disastrous things that happen in London, she's out there, you know, like Mm -hmm. really being about what she says that she's She's a people person. I love that. I love her so much. Her speech when she won that Grammy was not necessary. She won it fair and square. She did not have to apologize to Beyonce or anything Mm -hmm. or or say that she thought Beyonce deserved it. But she was just so gracious and so humble. And I just want my children to be that way. And I want them to have those type of role models to be around. So I want to work on myself so that I can be that person. Mm -hmm. And then I want to teach my children how to be those those type of people. No, that's dope. And it helps the lifestyle that you live now is going to teach you, help you learn all those values and being around so many different fans and characters and other performers, you know, you get to learn so many different kinds of people, you know what I mean? Like different personalities and stuff and how to cope with things. That's what I've noticed since being a performer. I meet the most eccentric people Mm -hmm. and the most normal in quotations people. And it makes it so interesting because you're like, wow, people are so like different. Yeah. But that's what makes life fun, right? Mm Because if we all like the same thing, there wouldn't be a Todrick. Yeah. That's, it wouldn't be a cane. Yeah, it would be pretty damn plain and boring. Yeah. Um, 
what do you think of all the new Disney musicals that have been remade? Like all the films. Have you seen Mary Poppins yet? Oh my God, I saw it twice. I it's love so it. Good. Oh my God, I love Triple of Life, Fantastic. But one of the most beautiful cinematic experiences that I've had in the past decade is A Cover Is Not the Book. Um, I just think that scene is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'm so inspired by it. I love Lin Manuel Miranda. I've met him a few times. He's he was such brilliant a in it. And he's such a sweet person, and we talk on DMs on mm. Twitter, so I feel like we're friends. And I made a vision board recently that says that I really want to work with him. The five yeah. people I want to work, and I'm putting this out in go the universe go. this year. I know it's ambitious, but I'm just saying it. I want to work with Cardi B, Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and I love the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's the final mm -hmm. season, and it would be a dream come true to get to be on the final season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because I just love Rachel Bloom. I love everything she stands for, and I just love that show and that it's a, a, a TV show that has music in it, mm -hmm. and it's a comedy, and I just love that show. And so that's those are my goals this year. I don't think they're very ambitious. I think they're definitely doable. Well, then I would like to add Beyonce to that yes, list. Yes, get it. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to work with Beyonce again this year. I've already worked with Beyonce, so I didn't yeah. feel like I needed to put it on the list, but she's still on my vision board. Have you not worked with Ariana and Taylor? I have worked with Taylor was, and with Ariana. I was going to so, say, I'm sure you already have. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but I would like to work with them again, again. in 2019 Get and it. then again in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just until, think that until they're until so awesome. I love Ariana Grande. I love the fact that she is wears her heart on her sleeve. I love mm -hmm. the fact that she takes everybody who is a fan of hers on the journey with her. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that her music is just so great and it's not boxed into one genre. Like mm -hmm. she gives you R&B vibes. She gives you like dance, like she gay anthems. Sing. Her music is just so great. I love when she used to do like the 40s, 50s type of throwback, like mm -hmm. music that felt like it would be on the, the, the soundtrack of a modern day notebook. I just loved everything that she does but more importantly I love that she like falls and slips in places and that yeah. she and that she also is not afraid to take a gay pride flag on the on we went the to watch her for my birthday in Amsterdam like three years ago uh -huh. and my favorite thing about her like she's an incredible singer but she was so awkward and I loved it like she'd mm -hmm. come out of this thing which come from the ceiling and her foot got stuck and it was yeah. brilliant because like everyone's looking at her like in pure idolizing her and she gets her foot stuck and she's a bit awkward and stumbles a bit and then you go She's human. She's so like, human. And she's... Which is, makes it more relatable to people, you know? It makes it, uh, you appreciate it. Yeah. Because she just goes, oh, I don't care, and carries yeah. on. And she's so unapologetic about who she is. And, you know, like, I don't know, the song Thank You Next is literally my anthem. It came out right at the time that I needed it to. But I don't know. I'm just such a huge fan of hers. I support her so much. I'm going to her concert this year. Um, and, of course, I love Taylor. I just think that the music that she wrote mm -hmm that she's written is so iconic. The song Style, Bad Blood, uh, the song Delicate, I felt like that really um, hit me in a really spe special place because I feel like that's all the time. I feel like I'm such a delicate human being right now and that I'm, and that sometimes like my reputation is not that great and that people might be afraid to give me a chance at love and stuff. And um, I just love that song. I just mm -hmm. think it, it, I mean, when she wrote that, I, I called her immediately and was like, this is my favorite song. Mm -hmm. I was on the phone with her the night before she released her album and it was the first time I had heard her like seem like she I mean she was crying on the phone she was like very very nervous because when you've reached such a level of success you just want people to love your music I don't think mm -hmm. that she cares how many Grammys that she wins she's already yeah. won so many Grammys I don't even feel like she has room in her <laughs> mansions for the amount of Grammys that she won so knowing her I don't think that that is like what's important to her what's important to her is that she tells great stories with her music and that people identify with the music and that people um and that people still like her music because she's she wears her heart on her sleeve and she writes her her lyrics from her heart yeah. and it just i think that there's something so specific about the way that taylor is like um i think there's something so specific about the way the type of love that she has for mm -hmm. her music it's not something where she's about like writing some stupid song that people can just remember and go viral. It's so easy because mm -hmm. she could easily do that. But yeah. she spends so much time and delicately crafts every single lyric to every single song. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't say too much, but I'm just yeah. really, really excited for people to see what she's working on next. Because if I know Taylor, I know that when people make her mad or piss her off or underestimate her, 
she is just ready to come out guns a blazing. And I just know that she has some amazing mm-hmm. things up her sleeve for this next album. And I can't wait to be there by her side, cheering her on throughout this entire year and um, letting everybody see how much of a badass boss my friend is. Same. I just think the way she's handled this entire Kanye situation, mm-hmm. that it will not stop ever. And the way she's handled this year and the criticism, she just always gets back up. You know, I think mm. that her theme song should be Cardi B's Get Up 10. They mm-hmm. knock her down nine times, but she gets up 10. I love that song, and um, that's how I feel about her. Sick. Um, oh, it's it's time, right? It's time. We can answer one more question, but it's about to be half hour. Okay, I'm going to put it out there. Okay. Seeing as they're remaking all the musicals for Disney, like uh-huh. remaking all the Disney films, I'm waiting for him to remake Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. I think that you need a pitch before they even put it out that you're one of the characters in there because you are Mr. The Wizard of Oz in my eyes. I would love that. I would love to either be a part of Wicked on Broadway or Uh the movie, or I would love to be in the Wizard of Oz remake for sure. I will be so devastated if I can't be a part of it. I could definitely see you as I've the auditioned, lion. or if they did The Wiz, the movie. Like, uh-huh. I didn't, I auditioned, I've auditioned for The Wiz. I auditioned for Hairspray to be seaweed, and I auditioned for Angel and Rent this year. And I'd gotten so close to getting them all. And I, 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 I ironically knew the person that got every single one of those roles. Mm-hmm. But I'm so ha- happy for them. Like, uh, I think Elijah Kelly is so talented. Ephraim is one of my really good friends from Broadway, and he got Hairspray. And then uh, Valentina from RuPaul's Drag Race got, mm-hmm. um, got Angel. So I'm so happy to be cheering them on, but I just keep thinking, like, I'm going to keep auditioning. That's always been my style. I'm going to keep grinding, and the right show is going to come along for me at the right time, and I'm so excited for what it is. And I am I know that when it comes, I'm going to be so grateful that I didn't, didn't get that. do the other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Everything lines up for a reason. Amen. Well, you got to shoot. Thank you so much. Thank I've you had a so blast. much. I love you dearly. Thank you. And if you want to take your shirt off for them, I think oh, that would okay. be Oh, okay. Really we can good. do that at the end. Because I feel like, you know, this should be your Magic Mike audition. If you take your shirt off and they see it and they like it, they should tweet Magic Mike and say, you should put Kane Silver in it. So All right. We'll do it as soon I'm as we I'm not doing start. it because I would want to see it. I'm just doing it because I think the people want to see it. The people want to see it. I'm doing it for the people. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Ins and Outs podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Please share it with your friends and family and get them to subscribe. And also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll find us. Just type in the ins and outs or type in Kane Silver. Thank you and I'm out. Bye.